coming up on this week's episode, we're going to be talking about Ronaldo, Chelsea, and we're going to see how far we think England will get in the World Cup. Plus all the usual features, so let's get started. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of View from Sideline Podcast. It's Chris here and Liam is here as well. Hello, Liam. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Not too bad, not too bad. Counting down the days now until I might actually see a team that I support win a game of football. Um, because <laughs> it's, um, the last time I actually seen Chelsea win a game in the Premier League was the 16th of October when we beat Villa. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, less said about that, the better. Um, but we are going to talk about Chelsea uh, today. We are also going to talk about, um, well, I guess it's kind of it, news that's happened sort of in the last 24 hours um, with um, Ronaldo's upcoming interview with Piers Morgan. Um, very strange and out of the blue. Uh, we were supposed to be talking about Arsenal today, but um, with the Ronaldo story, um, we've had to bin it off for a little while um, until the next episode. So we will do Arsenal next time. Um, but yeah, so well, we'll start with um, the news that came out yesterday that um, Ronaldo is going to be doing, I guess, a spill the beans, I guess, sort of episode of Piers Morgan. Um, Who saw that coming? Yeah, I mean... Obviously, the actual um, episode, I think it's in two parts as well. Um, I think it's out on Wednesday or Thursday, I think, this week. So, um, But I think everyone's seen sort of the clips of, mm. of, of what's, what's, sort of what's going to be said, basically. And um, obviously, from his point of view, he seems, it seems like almost that he's been, he feels let down by the club and he's not very fond of the manager um but I guess you know when we see the whole interview I guess more will come to light of what's actually been happening but I guess the the question is um why would you do this yeah <laughs> I mean I'd like you know, United knew that this was happening and they agreed to it because I'll be very I very doubt that anyone at the club was aware that he was doing this um because I'm, I'm not sure when um because Piers Morgan was on talk sport this morning and he wouldn't give the date of when the interview was actually made so I'm not sure it could it could be about a month old for all we know yeah and I guess we'll, ne- we'll actually never know but obviously with I suppose in in Manchester United eyes and then the fans eyes I guess he's one of their all-time greatest players and it seems that he is ripping that to shreds shall we say because personally yeah. I think if if an ex if one of our ex-legends say someone I guess you could compare him to someone like Drogba I suppose someone like that not obviously on the pitch wise but you know if Dropper came out and said those things about Dolphin, I'd be fuming. Well, yeah. Especially if you're still at the club. I mean, uh, there's a time and a place for it. And uh, for me, I think it just feels like 
one, it's a bit of a publicity stunt just to sort of because it is it was clear from the summer that he didn't want to be at the club. Yeah, and he's obviously got a lot of pent up emotion inside him about the club and as to why he wasn't sold. We don't really know the ins and outs of why, um, but it seems that he is targeting Ten Hag in the interview, saying that he obviously feels let down that he's been sidelined for the majority of the season. But I mean, it's up to the manager who he plays. I mean, and with um, with an attitude like that, you know, it's can not. You, can you imagine? He obviously came to United. I, I don't know what year it was exactly came, but around 2002, 2003, something like that. Can you imagine him pulling this when Alex Ferguson was in charge? He would. He he wouldn't. Well, no, because yeah. he'd be United again. He'd never even turn up to training again. He'd, no. be, he'd be released from his contract. He would be gone already. I I can't believe. Well, I can believe that he's got an ego that's so inflated that he thinks it's a good idea to do this. But like you say. Any legend of any club, especially one who's currently at the club, to come out and, and say this about the club that you're playing for is ridiculous. The, the comments about Ten Hag, personally, I'm, I'm sure that there's some context that's going to come out about it because, like you say, we've not seen the whole thing. But to feel let down by Ten Hag, I don't really know what Ten Hag's actually done because he's got the stats to back it up that says, when I've dropped you, we've won games, you know, and when I play you, we don't. Mm. It's black and white, really. He dropped Ronaldo and United picked up five wins in a row and why, as a manager, why would you then bring him back in? It just, that didn't really make any sense to me. And I don't see where the club's really let him down, to be honest, unless it is, like you say, he wanted to move in the summer and they flat out refused to let him go. But if that is the case... He knew where United were when he joined them. It's not like he'd been there for three years, four years, you know, suffering without trophies. He'd only been there a season and he knew how far behind United were to everybody else. I don't know what he expected. I don't I don't think they, they did any better or worse than anyone thought. I think they were just, you know they were they were just being what we all thought that they were. It wasn't going to turn around overnight, so I'm not quite sure where the club have let him down. I mean, it's quite mm. outside of him to join and then 12 months later say that I want to leave because we're not winning trophies. Well, they haven't won trophies for a long time. This is not this is not new. So I'm not I'm not too sure why. I don't know why he thought it was a good idea, but I'm not too sure why he he stated the points that he had um, that have come out so far. But I'm, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what more he has to say. We're just. It just feels now like that. I if, for me, I don't think there's any way of going back now. I, don't, no. I think I think the you know it, uh, come January, I'm fully expecting him to, them to come to an agreement of his release. Yeah, six months early. I mean, Man United could go the other way and punish him and, and uh, not yeah. not get rid of him, make him set his contract. Uh, I don't think that's going to help either. Either club or player. I think uh, from a Man United point of view, I think they need to. I think they need to put their foots down and say, look, you know, you can't. I don't know why you've done this. You know, who who advised you to do this? And I don't know. We won't know until we hear the full thing. But 
I, if he's if he's going after individuals at the club as well, I'd, you've got to think that he he's not going to be well liked within the dressing room. But from the snippet of the interview I've seen, anyway, he's he felt that he wasn't wanted there. So, and we've said for weeks, haven't we? Well, uh, even since last season, I think that Ronaldo's attitude has been that you're holding United back, and and I've seen on Twitter countless hundreds of United fans defending him. Mm. All throughout his um, spell, like, like last season, all right, he ended up as, as the top scorer. I think he was. Well, he scored one more than Harry Kane in the league. Yeah, so you know, a lot of United fans defended him even then, and I haven't really seen many United fans defending him now. That's quite a <laughs> turnaround. You know, if there's anyone that they would blindly defend, it would be him. But I haven't seen many, to be honest. So for, for him to actually annoy United fans, you know, it's got to be something serious. Yeah, well, I, th- I think it's it's going to be a, a wait and see as to how deep this interview goes. But like I said, I think it, it, there's no going back now. I think no. he's, he'll be looking for a new club in, in January. But for me... I, it seems, I, from my point of view, that a lot of other big clubs are going to see this and think, well, do we really want him at who our club take, if he's going to be doing this? Who who would take him in, in your you know, big leagues? I don't think anybody Ill- would. Ill- but Chelsea, don't worry, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. I, I think, personally, he's, he's got to go to the MLS now. Because he'll, he'll be going to the MLS, Qatar, or one of the like Saudi Arabia, like Saudi Middle East somewhere, maybe, just for that final sort of paycheck. But, um, yeah, I, I think it's it's done in this country now. And it, it seems such a shame because, obviously, if his first spell at Man United, you know, he he, met, he wrote himself into the history books and he he made a name for himself and he, he probably put himself up there with one of the greatest players that they ever had. I mean, even yeah. last season, he was, you know, he had a really good season last season when, when Man United, you know, were poor. He he was their sort of, he was their go-to man for goals. And then, obviously, the new manager's come in. He's got his own ideas, obviously, but it's not worked out for Ronaldo. But I think the worst thing you can probably do is go and do an interview behind the cos back. I yeah. mean, remember Lukaku did it last season? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's not—he's nowhere near as well liked as what Ronaldo was at Man United. But I mean, it's a similar sort of pattern. I mean, it, even in the interview that Lukaku did, he—he he was criticising the tactics of the manager, saying that he wasn't being played in the the right sort of position. So you just don't do it. I don't know why they think it's a good idea. Uh, Keep it save all that until after your career. And then once your career is finished, do what you want. I mean, yeah. Frank Bonglehor was a Villa legend while he was playing for us. He never did an interview or anything until after his career, and then he he's now working on Talksport, and now all Villa fans hate him again. So you know he's just because he's so mouthy and he's just an idiot. But I, I'm glad he didn't do that while he was playing for us because I'm sure he would have said something to upset someone, uh, and and this kind of thing would have happened. So. Um, yeah, you would have thought he would have learnt by now. I mean, what he's, he's 37 now is Ronaldo, isn't he? So uh, yeah. you would have thought he's had a long enough career to uh, to know not to do something like this. But um, there we go. So yeah, I think it's on like Talk TV, isn't it? Yeah, which is I it, does everyone have access to that, or is it? I don't know. 
idea. To be honest, I, I'll, I'll probably just rely on Twitter for the highlights of the interview. Yeah, I, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to listen to Pierce Morgan. To be honest, so um, <laughs> I'll wait for the edited versions to come out. Right, uh, what's enough of Ronaldo? He's got he's got all our our uh, our time. Yeah, he's had his time. But um, oh, we'll move on to something a bit more. Uh, well, actually, even worse for me to be honest with you. But where do we start? Sure. Um, yeah. What's going on, Chris? I just, I just, I can't pinpoint what it is, but. I've, I've been doing some digging around sort of the last sort of results that we've had and they just seem to be getting worse and worse. I mean, Saturday night against Newcastle, from the 97th minute to the 98th minute, we were actually the better team. <laughs> um, and we actually looked like that we actually wanted to get something out of the game. Week before, when... Well, actually, middle of the week when we played Man City, it was a it was a fifty fifty game to be honest with you. Um, first half, we we were probably the better team, had chances but didn't take them. Came out second half, Man City scored two goals within sort of ten minutes and just kind of killed the game. Week before that, we play Arsenal at home, probably the worst performance I've seen from Chelsea for a long time. Could have been more weren't, that day, weren't, weren't interested. D- didn't seem that bothered about it at all. Con- conceded the goal. Just didn't look like we were attacking at all. It just, just There was nothing going forward. We just kept picking the ball up. Same as Saturday against Newcastle. He played a front three uh, against Newcastle of um, yeah, uh, Broer in the middle, who is okay. Just he just not I had not enough experience to that sort of level. You have Mount and Gallagher on either side. I mean Gallagher's not a winger to start with and he just every time Gallagher gets the ball he just seems to lose it. He can't place a decent pass at the moment. And against Arsenal, it's just again, there was no fight. Just lost as soon as we conceded we didn't didn't go straight at them. If anything, we just sat back even more. Um, and then the week before that, we lost four one to Brighton. Yeah, I don't really know what to say about that. It's just four one, and that. But it it just seems that he his for me his tactics seemed very very easy to unwind if you're the opposition. We always play out from the back, and we're not very good at it. And I don't know why we do it, and I don't know why they keep doing it. I mean, the amount of times that the ball's been passed back to Mendy, and he's got, and he, he within a second he's about to lose the ball, mm-hmm. and he got caught out against Leeds doing that. Need need one of your keepers are really great with their feet, I would say, no. but that's why the Potter appoint the Potter appointment kind of surprised me a little bit. Yeah. Because not necessarily that you've got defenders that can't play that way. I think there's an element of truth about Koulibaly not being able to play that way. But because you got rid of so many defenders, even though I know you wanted to keep Rudiger, but because so many central defenders left last season, it's always going to be difficult for the new guys coming in to get that 
link up to be yeah. able to play that way so quickly. I'm sure it will come in time, but that's why it surprised me that you brought in a manager who's really championed that way of playing. <laughs> because if you wanted a short term fix, that didn't seem. Yeah. But you, you did get a bit of a bounce when he came in. Yeah, I mean, it's like with any manager, though, you kind of, he comes in. I mean, his first game against Salzburg, he drew 0-0. It wasn't a great game, particularly. But I think his first league game, I think we beat Wolves 3-0, I think it was. Mm-hmm. But I, I just, I look on paper, and, you know, at the time I thought, I thought, getting rid of Tuchel and bringing in someone new was going to work, but I personally don't think it's worked. And I, I honestly, I think the games that um, Graham Potter has won, I think Tuchel would have won those games. I think so. Anyway, so I, I, I just don't see where the difference is. And I think at least under Tuchel, there was, there was an, an if we went behind, there was a plan to go forward straight away at, Tuchel was very forward-thinking. He was very sort of attack-minded play, mm. sort of win it in midfield, play it around in midfield, move on. But where under Potter it seems to be, play out from the back, pass it to one of the one of the wing backs. The problem is without Chilwell and Reese James, it doesn't work. Yeah, because I, you've I, got Aspilicueta and other. I mean, Lewis Hall's been playing there last couple of games. He's done well. He's actually been one of the better players, but. As for the cut, hasn't got the pace that Reese James has got, and he hasn't got the confidence on taking players on. So passing up to him, he ends up passing it back to Koulibaly, who then passes it back to Chalabar. Chalabar runs with it for, for, you know, 20, 25 yards, passes it to Jorginho. Jorginho turns around, can't see anything in front of him, turns around, passes back to Asperlequet, and we're stuck in that cycle. Yeah. There's no, and I don't know whether it's the four, the the forward players not coming back to help, or whether we generally just aren't getting in enough space. And it's just it's we just seem to play back so much. Even when we're behind, it just seems like we've got no options when it gets to like as for Laquette and whoever the left back is. There just doesn't seem any options. But when we've got Reese James and Chilwell who are sort of established at that wing-back role and have got pace and they can take players on, it works better. Yeah. So, I, I haven't seen Kukurea have a good game yet. I mean, I've been yeah, well, away so far. Yeah, he did have a couple... Good, when he first came in, he did have a couple good games. But he, I, I think it's trying to find out whether he is best playing at centre-back or whether he can play left wing-back. Mm. I mean... I, Personally, I think the players that they brought in at the back haven't aren't like for like swaps, and they're not better versions of what we had. No, I mean Rudiger alone is probably out the the best defenders in the world at the moment, mm-hmm. and our best defender is Thiago Silva, and he's thirty eight, and he's not going to be around for much longer. Yeah, you can't like when Thiago Silva plays, we look a lot more solid at the back. When you take him out, we look lost. Yes, mistake after mistake. One thing I did think as well, though, when when Tuchel got let go, I'd seen you play a few times already, normally like in the Champions League and stuff. I didn't think that the players had given up 
at no. that point. I, I thought the players were still playing for him. And I always wonder what that does to a dressing room when you, when a manager, all right, if you, you've had a bad run of results, but you can put it down to a number of things, but I don't think lack of effort was one of them. And I think the players liked Tuchel. And I, I just wonder what effect that had getting rid of a manager that they probably liked and were still trying for yeah. to, to bring someone else in. It's got to be difficult for that person coming yeah, in though, because you've got around the dressing room and I just I don't think he's quite managed to do it in the last few games I've seen Chelsea play that kind of lack of effort is, is now showing through um, I think the World Cup break has come at a very good time for you because I know most of your players are going to the World Cup but the ones that aren't you, you will have a chance to sit down over the next month or two and um, give them a bit of a mini pre-season and stuff and get them tactically back into shape but yeah, I, it's worrying for, for you Chelsea fans at the moment, I think. It really is, because you've not really seen, like, you, you just don't look like you're in a game. No. It's, it's one of those things, it's how, how far do you let it keep it going like this? I know we've got the break now, but when we come back from the break, I mean, our next two games are Bournemouth, and Nottingham Forest now two winnable games two very without a doubt we should be getting a six points there I mean it might depend on how people come back from the World Cup but I would have thought if you think say I don't know say 15 of your players are going off to play in the World Cup you'd expect seven or eight of them to come back after the just after the group stage so you know I don't think there's gonna there's gonna be any excuses there I mean I mean, the only thing after that is we've got Man City in the league and then Liverpool um, mm. pretty much back-to-back, I think, in between probably FA Cup. But I mean, I, it's just, I just, you, you know... You, sorry, you, go on. I was going to say, so you're, I'm looking at the table now, so you're eighth in the table, level on points with Brighton. Um, so the season for you, I guess, you were looking at top four, really. I don't think you were... Oh, yeah. You were yeah, going yeah. for the title. Mm. So you're currently eight points off top four. At what point do you think you say, well, we're not going to get it, so let's just stick it out with Potter for the rest of the season. We finish where we finish, and then we give him a go next season. Or do do the owners say, we're going to lose a lot of traction on top four. We need to get rid of him now. <laughs> I mean, he's only, yeah, been, the, the... he's only been there, you know, sort of like seven, eight games, but do we get rid of him now and bring someone in who might close that gap? I don't know how many points the difference has to be before you decide either way. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think, I think it's even last time we didn't qualify for Europe and that was when Mourinho was there and he got sacked and we ended up finishing like ninth or 10th, I think it was. Mm. We won the Europa League, I think it was that season. So, we automatically went into the Champions League. So, yeah. the, the, you know... Do you think he, as long as you're in the Champions League, he stays in the job? I think he has to win something. I think I, I think if he doesn't... I, don't, I think it'll be done on league position if he doesn't get into Europe next season. I, th- I think he could probably get away with getting into the Europa League. Mm. I think... So... I think if he if he manages to get top six, 
I think they'll they'll stick with him, but I think anything less than that, I, I don't see them continuing it. To be honest with you, because what's the point? I mean, yeah, they're not they're not playing well at the moment, and they were playing okay under Tuchel. We had like one bad result in the Champions League. We had a few league games where we looked poor, but we still come out with a draw. Um, and I just I just look back and I think. I think Tuchel would have, we would have, I think we'd be in the top, if he, if he was still there, we'd be in and around that top five, I think. Mm. Because like you said, the, the players were playing for him, that they weren't, it's, it's just, we had a bad, you know, we had a bad run of results, but at least we were trying. I yeah. mean, he got the best out of Kai Havertz. Yeah. And that's, that's been Kai Havertz's pro ever since he joined Chelsea. He's, He's been so hit and miss, but under Tuchel, he actually looked like an established centre forward. Yeah. He actually looked okay. Um, and you got to think like Tuchel was the main reason that Aubameyang came to the club. Yeah. It, uh, and ever since Potter's come in, I mean, Aubameyang scored a few goals, but he's been on the bench the last two, three games. Yeah. And I, I understand that he's got youth players there that he wants to you know give experiences like Lewis Hall or like Bro I mean on Saturday we had six um academy players in the starting eleven. Yeah. Which is unheard of for Chelsea. Yeah, so I mean we look we have a we have a fairly big squad but I think we've got a bit of Liverpool syndrome from four or five years ago where they had a really good... They had, on paper, their starting eleven was really good, but the bench was just... It's just very... It lacks a lot, the bench. I mean, yeah. when you need a goal and you're looking at someone like Ziyech coming on, you yeah. just know that he's not going to do anything because yeah. he, he hasn't done anything for Chelsea for about three years now. Yeah, Pulisic is hit and miss. He can come on sometimes and uh, and play well, and then sometimes he can come on and he's terrible. So I don't know. I just I I, I don't want to sort of be on the side of just get rid of him because I I think he does deserve a chance, Graham Potter. And I just think he needs he needs to find his best eleven because at yeah. the moment I think he's chopping and changing too much. I look. We've got injuries in defence, you know. Fafana's out. Obviously, Reese James is out. Chilwell's out. I mean, you're probably looking at three out of four of our starting defences out at the moment. But we should have adequate cover. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I mean, I think they're just, they're just going to have to ride with it, and you know, Champions League. They got Dortmund. I, I wouldn't be so confident at the moment of beating them over two legs, to be fair. So, um, first draw though, it could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, if he gets through that and we get into the quarterfinals of the Champions League, I mean, the Champions League is such a weird competition as well. I mean, last season's Champions League was probably one of the best ones that we've had for a long, long time. Yeah. Even though we got knocked out of it, sort of the Real Madrid. I mean, second leg, probably the second leg against Real Madrid when we scored, when we went three 0 up, 
probably the best I've seen us play for years. Yeah. So great game. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. That's me. That's my rant over. I mean, just wait and see what happens when they come back from the World Cup. See what, see what, see you know, see what's what, and then it, I'm I'm assuming he's going to be given some sort of money in January to to do something. But I don't think he can be seen to be buying more defenders because we've just spent a huge amount of money on defenders, like hundred hundred and sixty, hundred seventy million just on defenders alone. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, Fafana should be back. Um, but one thing I haven't mentioned is that we do miss N'Golo Kante. <laughs> oh, yeah. <he's> <laughs> so, and there just doesn't seem to be a timeline of when he's actually going to be fit again, um, which is a shame. I think I think we do miss him. We miss that sort of someone who can sit in front of that defence. Um, so, yeah, I think we do miss Kante. But, yeah, anyway, we'll move on who are I guess is our last World Cup segment um, before the World Cup starts so um, we're going to quickly just go through how far we think that England can get Um, it gets very sort of complicated after the group stage because I guess we don't know who's going to win groups and who's going to do who's going to be runners up but I've gone on what I personally think who's going to win the group and who's going to be runners up. So I've got England as winning the group and I yeah. assume you probably have as well. Yeah, I have. Which, so I think in the round of 16 that they'll get Senegal. Interesting. I think they yeah, can beat Senegal. Uh, yeah, I've gone for a similar... Yeah, I think it's going to be Senegal or Netherlands. But after I, that... I mean, like... You think that Senegal might be the sort of dark horses to do well in the tournament. I don't know whether they're going to top that group or not, whether it's going to be Holland. I think Holland, be, Holland will top it, I think, and then Senegal comes second. They're two beatable teams for us, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. But it's not It's not that that gets tricky. <laughs> no. So if you, if you work your way back through winner of game 52 or whatever it was and winner of group D versus runner of group C ignore all that it's France, France is the answer yeah, it is. <laughs> um, yeah. France is the answer so, they're the best team in that side of the draw yeah, yeah, so, yeah France is that team so um, I think France could, I think France will play either Argentina or Mexico in the round of 16, if I've worked out correctly. So yes. I think they should get through that. And then they set up a game against England. Now, I think this is as far as it goes from an England point of view. I think yes. the, I think this France team are, oh, I think they're, well, they are, I think they are the best team in the world. They have so much cover in that team if someone gets injured. Unlike England, I think if England were to lose a key player, Harry Kane, France have adequate... If if Mbappe got injured, they they don't have someone who is, who is, you know, the same skill level as Mbappe, but they definitely have goal scorers within that team. Dembele... Kunku, Koma, 
their team is ridiculous. They could have, I reckon France could have a B team and a C team. Yeah. And I think that, I think B team and C team would still get through the group stage, which is so ridiculous. Just to show you, to demonstrate that these are the people that haven't made the World Cup squad for France, um, due to either injury or not being picked. Uh, you've got Kim Pembe from PSG, who was injured. Uh, Luca Digne is injured, um, at left back. Kurt Zuma. Um, hasn't been picked this time around, but he he had a run of, of games for France quite recently. Kante is injured. Pogba is injured. Bubika Kamara, obviously for Villa as well, is injured. Um, ben Yedda hasn't been picked this time around, but he had a run in the side. Yeah, there's 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 depth. Just, I mean, yeah, it's serious, crazy. serious, serious depth. And then even in the squad, yeah, like you say, um, if Mbappe's out injured, there's that. You know, there's any number of people that can come in yeah. and play. Their weak, their weak area, I will say, if they do have a weak spot, it's midfield. Midfield, yeah. Because so with, got... with Pogba and Cantley being out, I would say that they are the two best midfielders. In centre midfield, they've got a choice of Camavinga, obviously, wonder kid at Real Madrid, but he's only played four games for France. Um, Rabiot, who I've never really seen what everybody he else... Is, he is good. Uh, Rabiot is good. Uh, They've got Yusuf Fafana, who I've, I've never seen. Uh, he plays in the French League, doesn't he? He plays in so He's only had two caps. Okay, yeah. Um, Chouameni for Real Madrid, um, fair enough. But then the two that interested me in particular are Matteo Guendouzi, um, formerly of Arsenal, mm-hmm. and certain Jordan Veratou, <laughs> formerly of Aston Villa, <laughs> has managed to get into the France squad somehow. Like- um, so I think if there is a weak area, it's that. But I'm I'm actually looking at their list of players. There is uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 players. Okay, one of them's Ariola in goal. But 12 players that have played less than 10 games for France. Mm. So there is a bit of inexperience in there. And there's even a few like Kunde's only played 12 games. Chouameni's only played 14 games. Um, so, yeah, I, I I still fancy them. Purely yeah. how, how how strong their attacking lineup is, and, and even defence. You know they've got Kunde, Varane, Pavard, um, both Hernandez's uh, are quite good as well. So um, yeah, and William Saliba's made it in as well for Arsenal, and uh, he's been season. out. Yeah, so uh, yeah, I still fancy them to be honest. I think if they if England do somehow get through, I think I've worked out that it's Belgium. I think in the semi final potentially. Which, to be fair, is probably an easier game than what the France one would be, but yeah, it's just so. the way the draw is, isn't it? And there's not a lot you can really do about it. So, I think getting to the quarters, it, it, it's hard really, because when you, when in the last sort of two tournaments you've got to a final and to a semi final, to say that you potentially are looking at quarterfinals, it seems like a step back, but I guess. It's just the luck of the draw, really, isn't it? How the yeah. draw's made. I mean, any other given sort of World Cup, you could. I, I, you know, I think I think they should be aiming for the semi. If don't get me wrong, I think they should be aiming to get to the semi-finals. Um, but I think when you look at it realistically, I think that game against France is going to be incredibly hard to get through. Yeah, um, it will. But I, you never know. You, you never know, and I think. 
our only hope will be probably, I mean, I'm just looking at the fixtures now, France-Denmark on the 26th of November. I think that's the only game that France might struggle in. The, the other two teams are negative, Australia and Tunisia. I can't see them having too much of a problem there. But Denmark, as they're my dark horse, um, I'm going to say, you, you never know. You know, it could be one of those games and every team gets them in a World Cup where they just don't turn up. Uh, and there, there are surprises in every single World Cup. So you never know. And you also never know. Um, we, we've said that Argentina and Mexico are going to qualify from the other group. Poland's in that group. You, you don't, they've got Lewandowski, yeah. you know, the best broker in the world. On, on, it, on their day, if they can feed him the right service, then they could be either of those teams, to be honest. Argentina, okay, Messi, but he's getting on a little bit now. Um, but outside of Messi, it's not really that much. What they do well, have got, is they've got, they've got McAllister, mate. They have, yeah. <laughs> Dear, um, they've got Emmy Martinez in goal though still, so I'll let them off. But you never know. They're they're the kind of games at World Cups where. Yeah. You know, Argentina, Argentinian fans will go in there expecting to walk that group and get three wins. But we all know it's not that easy. So, yeah, it'll be the odd draw or something against a lesser team. You know, it'll be a bigger team turning up. All it takes is one of those teams to get knocked out early. I mean, we all fancied Germany in the last World Cup, didn't we? And they ended up bottom of their group, which had uh, South Korea in and um, a couple of other teams that I can't remember now, but they weren't. They weren't fancied to to no. get knocked out, so you never know. France might surprise us all and finish bottom with no wins. All right, so that's it for talking points this week, and it for part one. Uh, we will be back in part two with a quiz: uh, Who am I and someone is a white? So we'll be back in part two. Hello and welcome back to part two of this week's episode and we've got some Wonders of White coming up. So Liam, we do have a Wonders of White. One of them is Aston Villa related as well. Excellent. Um, not in a good way though. <laughs> uh, first one, first one is a man that is not going to the World Cup. So Ivan Tony has scored two plus goals on three occasions in the Premier League this season. Um, only Erling Haaland has done so in more different matches. Um, so he scored three against Leeds, two against Brighton, and two at the weekend against Man City. Should have been on the plane. And he's not on the plane. No. Uh, okay. Newcastle will be in the Premier League's top three at Christmas for the first time since the 2001-2002 season, when they were top of the table on Christmas Day. Wow. Uh, they later went on to finish fourth that season. I didn't realise they were top that recently. Yeah. Uh, this is brilliant, this one. Christian Eriksen is the first Danish player to score for Manchester United since Peter Schmeichel versus FC Rotor Volgorad <laughs> in the UEFA Cup in September 1995. Oh, fantastic. Damn it. I mean, that, that's a shame that that's been broken, actually. Yeah. What's the kind of stat you want to go on forever? Yeah. I was surprised that that was Ericsson's first goal from, from Man United, if I was honest. I didn't realise that was his first goal. But I, yeah. I mean. 
Uh, last but not least, aged 18 years and 135 days, Alejandro Garnacho is the youngest player to score a 90th minute winner in the Premier League since... Do you know since... Oh, when? yeah, I do. Another <laughs> Man United player, isn't it? Frederico Makeda against Aston Villa, also for Manchester United in April 2009. Yeah. He was 17 years old and 226 days old. Yeah, and we were 2-0 up in that game as well. Um, yeah. I can't oh. remember, because the, the commentator screamed, didn't he? Makeda! And I... Yeah. Still playing, Makeda. Yeah, still If anyone actually didn't know that, he is actually still playing. Probably. I'm not sure where, but he is. He is. Yeah, I was, I was very depressed watching that game. You know, 2 0 up at Old Trafford and then ended up losing it again. It seems like it always happens again. <laughs> um, I've, I've got a stat for you this week, Chris. Go on then. I'll let you do it. So, you know, it's the, it's the sort of last one before the break. So um, I thought, I saw this at the weekend and I didn't know whether you were going to include it. Um, so James Milner came on for his 600th Premier League appearance this weekend. Um, James Milner and Johnny. Haynes both played for the same manager, Sir Bobby Robson, but Johnny Haynes was born in 1934. Blimey. Here you go. So Milner is 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yes, Johnny Haynes born in 1934 and James Milner born in 1980-something and they both played for Bobby Robson, which, um, yeah, Man. just shows you the longevity of his career. Right, quiz time. Yes, quiz time. Um, so, obviously, this is the last podcast before the World Cup. So, I've just gone for the back to the classic ten questions. Um, but they're gonna we're gonna have one question from each of the last ten World Cups. So we're gonna start in 1982. Oh, blimey. And then we're going to gradually work our way up to modern day. So we're going to end in the, with the 2018 World Cup. Um, okay. So I'll start at question one. I think I think this is a this is a bit of a mixed quiz this week. Okay. Um, I I have a feeling you're going to score quite highly though. I reckon skill gonna, skill level medium. Yeah, I think you're going to get a good seven or eight though. I reckon. Blimey. Um, I hope the difficult you can guess. So and there is a bonus point question as well. But okay. question number one. The 1982 World Cup was held in Spain and it was won by Italy. But what stadium hosted the final where Italy beat Germany 3 1? Oh. The clue is, it, was, it was held in Spain, Chris. Yes, I mean, this is a trick question. <laughs> it's a 50 50 shot. Yeah. Bugger. Um. um, 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 um Funny enough, I don't actually remember a lot from that World Cup. <laughs> really? Yeah, I mean... Oh, man. I will just... Oh, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with the capital... Which means I'm going to go for the Bernabeu. Correct. 
It was indeed at the Bernabeu. Yes, it was going to be that or the new Camp, wasn't it? So that was that was my uh, dilemma. Right? I did. I wasn't thinking about anything else other than yeah, those two. It had to be one of those two. So yeah, well done. Um, yeah, good start. So question number two: Who won the Golden Boot in the 1986 World Cup, scoring six goals at the tournament? What year? 86. Yeah. Bloody hell. Um, I thought you'd be on this one, Chris, to be honest. Um, I, I want to I say match of the day, matey, but no, it wasn't. I'll say Gary Lineker, but I'm not sure whether it was the World Cup after. You are correct. It is indeed Gary Lineker. What was 86 yeah. too? No, 1986 was Mexico. Mexico. It was uh, Maradona, hand of God. Yeah, okay. It was, well, yeah. So, uh, correct. Two out of two so far. Uh, question number three. So we're, we're moving to Italia 90. Yeah. Uh, England suffered heartbreak in the semi-finals of the tournament, but who did we lose to in the third place playoff? Oh my god, no one knows that. <laughs> Everyone we've just all, knows the rest. We've all put it to the back of our mind. Oh, oh, oh. I couldn't ask you who cried, you know, yeah. we all know that one. I could have probably, I think I could have even told you who actually missed the penalty as well, I think. That's why I thought you were going. Yeah, I, I did think. I thought it was oh, too easy. I, I have no idea. I literally have no idea. I'd just say Germany. The the, the team that won, won it. Oh, yeah. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I'll give you another go. Uh, I, I have no idea. Spain. Incorrect. The clue was in the question. Oh, it was Italy, was it? Italy. Indeed it was, yeah. Came third at their own World Cup. Um, question number four. This is one you either know or you don't. Um, what pop star missed a penalty in the opening ceremony of the 1994 World Cup in the USA? I know because she missed. She missed. She missed. Didn't she? The goals just just, like separated. Yeah. Oh mate, I can't think who it is. Her name is on that. Janet Jackson is just stuck in my head, and it's not her, is it? It's not Janet Jackson. No. Oh my god, what's her name? It's gone from my head. Give up? Yeah. Diana Ross. Terrible technique, by the way. Terrible technique, don't I? She she should have penanked it, to be honest. but yeah, uh, maybe next time. Who knows? She might get to do another opening ceremony. They might wheel her out in Qatar. She might get a chance to make amends. Um, question number five. Scotland were in the 1998 World Cup in a tough group against Brazil, Norway and Morocco. Which of these teams did they pick up their only point of the tournament against? The, it's, it's multiple choice. Brazil, Norway or Morocco. Oh my God, I have no idea. Norway. Correct. Well done. 
Oh, was a complete guess. <laughs> yeah, they, they drew one all against Norway, and it was their only point of the tournament. Um, question number six. We're, we're in 2002 now, so that was yeah. Japan and Korea. The 2002 World Cup saw the fastest ever goal in a World Cup, which was scored in the third-place playoff. Which country scored it? And I'll give you a bonus point if you can guess the player. 2002, yeah? Yeah, in the third-place playoff, it was a goal after oh. 10.8 seconds, I think. 10 seconds? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Which country scored it? And a bonus point if you can tell me who scored it. So, well, I can rule out because the the final was Germany versus Brazil. So, I know that wasn't it. Now, we spoke about this the other day. We did, and it's why I included this question. (laughs) So, I know know the game was Turkey versus South Korea, which Turkey won. But I guess that doesn't necessarily mean that it was Turkey that actually... um, Actually, well, I guess this is just going to have to be a stab in the dark, isn't it, I guess? I mean... You've got the two right teams for the game. Yeah, so I will say I'll I'll go with Turkey, because I'm not going to lie, I don't know any South Korea players from back then. Correct. Uh, So I'll go with Turkey, but this this is... um, And for the bonus points... Can you tell me who scored? Uh, I will just say Emre because he's the only Turkish player I can think of right this this second. But well, it was probably one of the more common ones. Well, well done for remembering a Turkey player from back then because the only one that I can remember is the man who actually scored it, which is Hakan Tuzil. Yeah, who ended up playing for Blackburn, I think, at some point. And... Um, he was an absolute flop when he had Blackburn, from what he, I remember. He was a machine everywhere else, but um, failed miserably at Blackburn Rovers. He, he was Galatas. He was Galatasaray when he made made clubs. I'm pretty sure he was there. So, um, yeah, he was, he scored a lot of goals in the. Turkey. I got a point, didn't I? You got a point for Turkey, but no bonus point for the goal scorer, unfortunately. Um, we're getting even more modern now. 2006. I'm sure you can remember that a bit better than 1982. Um, so 2006 saw Italy win the World Cup, beating 10-man France on penalties. And the final was known for Zinedine Zidane <laughs> headbutting. <laughs> which Italian player? Marazzi. Correct. <laughs> did he did he say something about his mum or something? Because they never really they never really said what it was, did it? No. It, I, I was on holiday. Was, I was on holiday it, watching that game. An insult for his mum or sister or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I was no, away. I wasn't. I can't remember where I was now. I don't know where I was. I wasn't in this country. I don't think when I saw the final. And I remember, no. I remember as Dan just turned around and headbutted on. I was thinking, oh, that's not good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was okay. his last ever. That was his last game for. Yeah. Wasn't that? Yeah. What a way to go out. <laughs> And I remember as well at the time um, watching it and the commentators being like, I think he might get sent off for this. It's like, no shit. Yeah, but he probably will. He probably will too. <laughs> you can't do that. So yeah, um, 
Italy had Marcello Lippi. He was was he their manager then? Yes, I think Marcello so. Marcello Lippi, yeah, I remember him. Yeah, a good tournament that one. Um, question number eight. So you're actually doing quite well. I think you've only got two wrong so far. Um, question number eight: Which Uruguayan player was joint top scorer and player of the tournament in South Africa 2010? Well, 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 now, I mean, one name springs to mind straight away, but this could be one of two, Mm. but I don't know if, so I'm going to say two names I've got on my mind. Diego Forlan, Edison Cavani. Mm. 2010. Oh, this is, this is gonna kill me if I get this wrong because I think it's one of those two. I'm gonna go with Forlan. Correct, it is Diego Forlan. Well done. Um, he, was quite, he was fairly old then. I think. Yeah. I think he he had his spell at Man United by then, I think, hadn't he? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think he'd been yeah. there and gone quite a while. Um, I thought you thought I I thought you might think I was going to say Suarez, but I think that, that was... Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. <laughs> when you said yeah. it's one of two, and I thought... Yeah, uh, I w- I w- Cavani would have been in and around there, I know, but... I just I just vaguely remember Forlan having a good World Cup. He did. Yeah, he scored five goals. He was old. And one player of the tournament. Yeah, so he obviously did have a very good World Cup. Um, nearly at the end, two more to go. Question number nine. The yeah. 2014 World Cup saw Brazil thrashed in their own backyard, 7-1 by Germany. Who scored Brazil's only goal in that game? Uh, Oscar. It was indeed, yes. Former Chelsea player. I think he was at Chelsea at that point. Yeah. There were three Chelsea players playing for Brazil that day as well. David Luiz, Ramirez and Oscar. That's probably the worst. Probably. First Brazilian performance. Probably the worst performance I've ever seen. On the I know, it was like four, it was in like four or five nil at half time. Yeah. I remember watching it and then um, at half time, going back to like Gary Lineker and stuff, and they were just like, I can't believe what's happening here. In silence. I mean, at, in Brazil as well, in their like national stadium, like, unbelievable. But to be fair, Germany were, that was probably peak Germany that, that yeah. was. I mean, close, closer was still playing then, wouldn't he? So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he was indeed. They were a good side at that World Cup. Um, yeah. Your last one, because you gave me a quiz on the, the 2018 World Cup in Russia. Yeah. So I've, I've tried to make this one a little bit more difficult because I know you've researched it recently. <laughs> so, Go on then. Aside from Russia, who were the lowest ranked team entering the tournament? And I can, because that is quite difficult, but I can give you some options. Options as in names or clues? Uh, options as in names. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll go for the options. I've got a na- I've got one in my head, but um, gives him an S. Let me just. <laughs> Maybe Saudi Arabia. It is Saudi Arabia. <laughs> yes, correct. They were 63rd in the tournament. So yeah. Russia will rank 65th, but obviously you don't play in like the four years leading up to the World Cup. So that's why they were ranked so low. So it doesn't really count for them. But yeah, Saudi Arabia were ranked 63rd and South Korea yeah. were ranked 62nd. Oh, right. So I would, I would have said S either way. And I got yeah. it wrong. No, yeah. I think I, I do. I, I think, yeah, I think I saw that actually. Last week when I was having a little look. Yeah, interestingly, not Panama, which I would have thought it would have been. So they were ranked 49. I didn't think about that. Yeah, and they, they were bad. But, um, yeah, I mean, well, so um, let me just add up the scores. Should have been 7 or uh, 8, I think. 1, 2, didn't get that one, didn't get that one. Uh, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 out of 10. Well done. There you go. Right. Now, who am I? Well, you know who I am, but obviously that's not what I'm asking. Um, I am going to have... I can't give you where they're at now. They're still playing, that's good. Yeah, so... Started at Northampton... Right. Moved to Newcastle, then Barnsley, then Shrewsbury, Scunthorpe, Wigan. Oh, this is a glorious career. Back to Scunthorpe, (laughs) Peterborough, and where they are now. Okay. Northampton at the start to Newcastle is an interesting one. And then, were were any of them loans or were they all like full-time? I can give you the loans if you want. Oh, was there more? It was on my list of, um, yep. So, uh, obviously, I gave you Northampton, Newcastle, Barnsley, Shrewsbury, Scunthorpe, Wigan, Scunthorpe, Peterborough, and then where they are now. So the loans were... Barnsley, Shrewsbury, Scunthorpe, Wigan, Scunthorpe. <laughs> right, so he went on loan from Newcastle. Correct. Okay, okay, that's cool. Okay, so now I'm narrowing it down because I think, because Peterborough always had a knack of finding a striker and then selling them on for a lot of money. Maybe. And Might be a striker. <laughs> yeah, they had a, they did have a knack of doing it. They did it with Dwight Gale, but I think they did it with Ivan Tony as well. So I think it's Ivan Tony. I had to put him in at least a squad. Yeah, he's got to be, hasn't he? Can I just say, he has scored 53 goals in 92 games for Bradford. <laughs> he's, a, he's a good striker. <laughs> I mean, I, I, just, I just don't know what else. He had to do. I mean, it, it never worked out for him at Newcastle. He, he did play two games for them in the three years that he was there, but um, it was. And to be fair, the loans that he had, 
he only scored probably 20 goals in about 50, 60 games. Um, but then it was, a, like you said, at Peterborough, where he, he sort of made his mark, scored 40 goals in 76 games for them in two years. Um, but yeah, no, I thought we should um, give him a bit of uh, recognition because he's literally the one player that I thought would be on that plane and yeah. quite shocked, really, that he, he was. I'm not saying he shouldn't have taken Callum Wilson. No, I think he should um, have both of them. But... I was just yeah. a bit surprised that he wasn't now. I, I, you know, to be, he could have gone in in front of pretty much the majority of the forward players that they put in there. But yeah, I mean, I, I, get, I yeah. understand. You know, I'm, I'm I'm looking at his record now, Tony. So I can kind of understand. You know, he broke the championship goal scoring record, which is obviously a, a great achievement. But fair enough, not to get you in the England team. <coughs> yeah, and in your first season in the Premier League to be averaging well, nearly one in two almost um, you know, he got 14 goals last season in 30 odd games and then this season he's just taken that to a whole new level hasn't he I mean 10 goals so far, 11 in all competitions he's showing the consistency that I think he's been lacking or he had been lacking in his obviously younger days so um yeah, I don't really understand why he's not been included. You know, Wilson is so injury prone, and if something was to happen to him, we're stuck with Kane and and no one else. You know, there's no plan B. So, um, yeah, I was quite surprised that he wasn't included. Oh, well, I was I was surprised he didn't go with three out and out strikers, whether it would be Tony or Abraham. Um, but yeah, he didn't. So, we yeah, never... cool. Well, that's it. Well, for now, anyway. I mean, is well, this is the last podcast until the new year. Yeah. Which is true. I'm not going to wish everyone a Merry Christmas because that's just ridiculous. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, we, obviously with the World Cup being on, you know, there's not a huge amount for us to discuss. And I mean, we we really would only be talking about England anyway. So I mean, there isn't really much point, I don't think, in in us <coughs> doing any any more now um, until until the new year. So yeah, anything else to add, Liam? It's coming home. That's all I'm saying. In the quarters or. <laughs> <laughs> Have faith, Chris. Come on. I mean, it's strange to think that this time next week they would have already played Iran. Yeah. Um, and we'd have already picked up that point um, that, that we needed. I mean, you never know. You never know. So, uh, some of the get England group games in the World Cup have been absolutely appalling these last few years. So, um, yeah, but they should be getting through. Um, and then hopefully by the time that they play Wales, should should be there. Should be. So, yeah. So, yeah, no. When we get two nil nils against Iran and USA and manage to scrape a one nil win against Wales to sneak through in second or something. In like the eighty seventh minute. Yeah. Yeah. And then we go out in the round of sixteen. But uh, let's have faith. Come on. Let's do this. Let's have some faith. So yeah. So we will be back in the new year but um 
you know, we'll still, I'll be still be putting stuff on Twitter and stuff and on Facebook, you know, during the World Cup, so we'll still be sort of active on there as well. But, um, yep, yeah, we will see you all in the new year.